It's time for the Flagler Radio Business Report, a 30-minute roundtable discussion with local businesses. And now, your host, Kirk Keller. Good morning and welcome to the Business Report. My name is Kirk Keller. I'm your host today. And my guest today is Dr. Nan Navante from Advent Hospital. You are a board-certified cardiologist. Yes, thanks for having me. Cardiologist is just a fancy word for heart doctor, right? Cardiologist is a fancy word for heart doctor, but the heart's actually quite complex, which we'll go into in a minute here. Okay. The reason I have you on the show today, it's heart month. And I know we've talked about several situations on my show about health in in the workplace, mental health in the workplace. Today, I want to talk about heart health in the workplace. How important is is it for managers and owners to keep an eye on their employees and keep them, help them keep them healthy? Absolutely. Heart health is critical to having healthy employees, happy employees, and employees that will be mindful of what they're doing and be happy in their jobs and be healthy in their lives. And there's a lot that goes into it, both in and out of the workplace, in terms of keeping hearts healthy. Right. What's one of the things that we could do in a workplace to, to keep a happy heart, I guess is the best way to say that? Reducing stress levels to the extent possible. Incorporating little forms of exercise during the workday. For example, if someone is mainly in front of a computer, incorporating a few minutes every hour if possible to get out, walk, do some activities. Florida is great for that, except during summer thunderstorms, to just take a few minutes, walk outside, take a few minutes, try to get your heart rate up, even if it's just stretching exercises at your desk. All of these things can reduce stress levels, incorporate forms of exercise during the day, and ultimately keep you healthy. So I think it's I think it's legal or maybe it's illegal not to allow a employee have the smoking break. So your suggestion is we, not only should we allow smoking breaks, we should allow exercise breaks. Probably wouldn't call it smoking breaks. <laughs> maybe you phrase it as mindful breaks, healthful breaks. Okay. So incorporate healthy snacks if you're running out to the vending machine and grabbing a bag of chips on your break. Probably can do something a little bit different. No, no, I agree with you 100%. I get my point was, maybe I didn't say that clearly. By law, we have to give employees smoking breaks, but we don't have a law that says we have to give them exercise or mindful breaks. I think employers, in the interest of helping their employees, should really think about doing something along those lines. Yes, I think that's incredibly helpful. Should an employer such as myself and yourself, should we have a mindful eye on when someone is getting stressed or... or or when they might be having some physical and, and heart issues at work? Yes, because a lot of stress does come from the workplace. A lot of stress comes from outside the workplace, but to the extent possible, any stress from the workplace, even if there's small things that employers can do to help help their employees and help minimize that stress, making those small changes can definitely go a long way to reducing stress, ultimately reducing blood pressure, reducing stress hormones, which can lead to inflammation and heart problems. Oftentimes, it's listening to the employees, trying to make small changes, which can really benefit their lives, because these little changes add up to a large cumulative change over time. I want to tell you a story real quick that happened to me here at this radio station. Uh, We had a young lady that worked here. I think she was 61 years old. She and I had morning coffee every morning before I came in and had to to do the show. Um, I'm doing the show just left her doing the show and I get a text message from her that says not feeling well I'm going home uh, it was the day before Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving day I sent her a text message happy Thanksgiving hoping you're feeling better didn't hear anything back at all 
the day after Thanksgiving, I sent her another text. Hey, didn't hear from me. You okay? Her husband texts me and says, she just had a stroke while she was in your office. Were there signs I could have watched in her eyes, in her hand movements, or a vein in the neck like you see in the movies? I mean, mm-hmm. what are some signs that I could have been watching for to say, we got to get you to the hospital? Yes, there's definitely signs both for heart attack and stroke. Uh, some of these signs for heart attack can be discomfort in the chest, not necessarily the classic clutching chest pain that you see in the movies, but just discomfort in the chest, shortness of breath, uh, sudden cold sweats, the technical term for that is diaphoresis, things like that, or just a sensation of not feeling well. Sometimes, especially in females, it can be very atypical, it can manifest as indigestion-type symptoms. I just want to be clear, that type of symptom can happen in males too. So those are just some subtle changes, subtle signs that are not the classic chest pain that can be indicative of a heart attack. For stroke, the signs are somewhat different. A sudden inability to speak, sudden weakness in the arms or legs, facial drooping, inability to see. These are just so some of the So does the facial signs. drooping happen before the stroke or does it happen after the, or during the stroke? How does that work? It's a sign that, that something is going wrong. So, so it's part of the initial process that occurs when, when a stroke is happening. But mm-hmm. things don't necessarily follow the textbook. Things don't necessarily go in order. So any combination of these signs should be concerning. Basically, anything that seems a little off should be investigated. It's always better to find out that it was something else rather than miss a serious symptom which could lead to a long-term disability or long-term problem. What could she have done? What could I do to prevent a stroke? In general, helping to prevent stroke is controlling risk factors. So things that can help reduce stress levels, things that can help reduce blood pressure, regular checkups with physicians to help control some of these risk factors, encouraging folks at the workplace to to have regular health appointments with their physicians to really focus on some of these risk factors and also incorporating some of those elements we mentioned earlier, exercise, healthy eating. These are all the things that we can do to help reduce the risk of strokes, heart attacks, other serious medical conditions. You know, I think most of us are uh, website doctors, if you want to call it that. And, uh, you know, I've, at, right after the, her stroke, I did get online to say, wow, that was weird. That was close. I mean, I had no idea. And you see all these articles that things you could do to prevent a stroke, such as chewing an aspirin every day before you go to work. Does that work? Aspirin has become somewhat controversial in recent years. So the mantra used to be an apple day keeps the doctor away, an aspirin a day keeps the doctor away. We're finding more because of the risks of aspirin, including bleeding, stomach irritation, that it's not necessarily the end-all, be-all that it was in years past. There are certainly a lot of scenarios in which aspirin is helpful, especially in folks that have had prior events. But certainly you don't want to check with your doctor before beginning an aspirin regimen. Years ago, uh, when I was living in Texas, I had some medical issues of my own. Uh, I was with a sales rep. She took me to my local doctor. Mm-hmm. He said, your blood pressure is through the roof. And he put me on blood pressure medicine. I'm not a pill popper. I took it for about a week. And then I just started feeling all these side effects. Uh, called him. Uh, his name was Dr. D- uh, Dr. Witten. Um, and he, he said, well, Kirk, if you want to do this naturally, you've got to lose some weight which I did, 
and you got to stay off the crown. I'm a crown and coke guy, or was, was, was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he advised I drink red wine. Was that was that a good advice? Should I stick? Should I stuck to the pills? Try a different pill, or does red wine really do help? Because we read that in articles all day long too. Yes, red wine has been shown in some studies to help reduce the risk of cardiac events. However, it should be part of a comprehensive plan. Drinking one or two glasses of red wine in and of itself, while it can be helpful, cannot be the only thing that you do. So it's reducing blood pressure, perhaps slowly, in consultation with your doctor, because what can happen if blood pressure suddenly goes down is you feel bad, and then that may cause some folks to abandon the whole regimen. Uh, a stepwise approach may be more appropriate, but it should be part of a comprehensive plan. Um, I'm an adopted child. I know nothing about my family history. I don't know my bio mom, my bio dad. I know nothing. But I, a lot of these articles say to refer to your family history. What if we don't have a family history? What's another telltale sign that we should be watching for? Yeah. Family history is definitely a risk factor for cardiac issues, but if you don't have or don't know of your family history, there are definitely other markers out there. There's different types of blood tests, beginning with the traditional cholesterol panel, which we all hear about and all probably get at the doctors, to a little bit more specialized testing, which can really hone in on an individual's risk, more so than kind of a societal type of risk. Uh, there's blood tests called apoprotein, there's blood tests called CRP, and these are all things that you can discuss with your doctor. There's also something called a calcium score CT, which has emerged in recent years as a way to really drill down on how much risk you as an individual are at, as opposed to how much risk would be suggested just by your age and some of your risk factors. So is it best to come see you and have my blood drawn or is it okay to have my blood drawn and send it into one of those ancestry places that says, boom, 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 boom? Well, you're looking for different things. Certainly, both have a role, but in consultation with the doctor, you're able to make that comprehensive plan we're referring to earlier that incorporates your blood work, incorporates blood pressure, any other signs of cardiac issues, uh, incorporates blood glucose. Diabetes is another major risk factor for heart problems. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, this past week, um, Advent Health and Flagler Radio put on a uh, health fair. And during that health fair, we were doing a screening with blood glucose. And one of the ladies had her blood glu- levels up to like 400. And they immediately had her sit down and call an ambulance because, according to the folks that were testing her, said that that would have put her in a diabetic coma. Uh, did did those folks just save her life there at, at, our, at our health screening that we did? A blood glucose that high is definitely immediately concerning. And they were absolutely right. A blood glucose that high, even if it's not that high, can definitely cause a diabetic coma. So I'm glad they're able to get that uh, that patient taken care of and get her the care that she needs. But it's definitely a risk factor. And when it gets that high, it can cause all sorts of other problems. So... What do we do to lower our blood sugar or, or glucose? It's some of the same risk factors. In a way, it's good that all the risk factors can be controlled by some of the same methods, exercise, weight loss, and a healthy diet. Now, specifically for blood glucose, there are medicines out there. 
there's all sorts of different medicines out there, some that help with weight loss, which has made them actually quite difficult to get nowadays. But uh, those are the main things that will help reduce blood glucose levels and ultimately reduce the risk of a host of other problems associated with diabetes. I want to go back to the screening and, and the test that you mentioned. Is that something that Advent does on a regular basis? Can I just walk in and say, hey, I need to get tested. I need my blood sugar, my blood pressure, uh, all that fun stuff done. Or do I have to have an appointment and have a, a regular doctor? Absolutely. Well, Advent Health is great at connecting people with doctors, connecting people with specialists. And as part of the initial consultation, most times they'll recommend a lot of these screening tests that are out there, cholesterol panel, lipid panel. Another important factor is assessing whether someone uses tobacco and what strategies can be used to help that person reduce their use of tobacco. So initial visit with a doctor can incorporate all of these elements. Fantastic. We're going to take a fast commercial break and be right back with Advent Hospital right after this. Free for all Friday. You're looking at the cost of housing. You, know, you can just knock $21,000 right there in the city of Palm Coast. That's going to impact fees. Local voices. We're not just polishing what we have. We also have to begin preparing for what the future generations will want. I'm David Ayers. Join me and my co-host, Brian McMillan. Free for all Friday, following the news at 9 and Pierre's Reality Check. Right here on WNZF with streaming and podcast on the Flagler Radio mobile app. Good morning and welcome back to the Business Report. I'm your host, Kirk Keller. Our guest this morning is Dr. Nanavante with Advent Health, and we're talking about your heart. It's heart month, and it's a very important part of your body. And what we were just left in the last segment for was talking about screening and how often we need to have those screenings and how good it is to have those screenings um, and to help you lower your heart disease and get those regular checkups. And I want to go back to that. Um, how often? Let's start at age 20. How often should I, in my 20s, get a health check? A baseline check is definitely a good idea for anyone. So based on baseline check, they'll assess your risk factors. In most cases, draw a cholesterol panel just to get a sense of where you are as an individual. Assess some of your risk factors, including family history, something called body mass index. Your waist size actually has emerged as an important risk factor, something called metabolic syndrome. Hmm. So based on all of these numbers, your doctor can make a plan for you to say, how often do you need screenings going forwards? Are there any medicines that may need to be started? Make a plan for exercise. Are you a good candidate for an exercise program? So in, the, in your 20s, a baseline screening is critically important just to set you on the right path for the years and decades to come. In my 30s, how often should I get tested, or does it vary much from 20s to 30s? When, when does it really vary from how often age-wise? So 20s to 30s, the recommendations are not too different. It's when you start going to your 40s and 50s is when the age, the recommendations start to, start to increase. Okay. Certainly, tobacco should be assessed at every visit. Diet exercise should be assessed at every visit. But beyond that, a lot of how frequently you need to go to the doctor depends on how much risk you're at as an individual. Are there any certain foods that are better for your heart than others? Absolutely. A lot of it is reducing 
high-content fat in the diet, reducing carbohydrates, and really focused on healthy fruits and vegetables. Lean meats certainly are better than non-lean meats, and reducing the use of red meat. Those are all oh, the things. Oh, man, that, I knew you was going to yeah, say that. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> You're killing me. It doesn't mean you can't have it. It doesn't mean you can't have it. Like I say, you've got to live. But, um, but that's just, why we live next to the ocean, because we have that good, healthy fish. Exactly. And a lot, a lot of good places on the, on, uh, in Flagler Beach to have that good, healthy fish. Exactly. Now, I'm a farmer's market shopper, and my wife and I get beets. We eat beets a lot because we've been told beets are good for your heart. Is that a vegetable that's better for your heart than a carrot? Uh, or am I stretching it too much there? I think it's mostly getting into the habit of eating fruits and vegetables. And, and that all fruits and vegetables have pluses and minuses. But I think the general mantra is incorporating fruits and vegetables in the diet. We're going to talk about the difference between men and women. Symptoms for men, symptoms for women, higher risk for men, higher risk for women, or is it equal? So it's a common misconception that women have non-cardiac problems as their main causes of medical issues. And if you look at data, actually, even in females, cardiac is one of the leading causes of medical problems. So it's very important for males and females to be mindful of their cardiac health. Symptoms are a bit different in women. It can be a little bit more atypical. Not necessarily the chest clutching. It can be gastric symptoms. It can be uh, just a sensation of not feeling well, upper back symptoms, a lot of different things. But I just want to be clear that these things can happen in men also. So definitely anything out of the norm, any symptoms shouldn't be ignored. Let's talk the process, the, the new process, I guess. And maybe it's not new, maybe just new to me of open heart surgery versus the new thing where you go up in their leg. What, uh, angioplasty, is that what that's called? Angioplasty, correct. Yeah. Yep. So the idea is to try to avoid getting to that stage. And by focusing on risk factors, by focusing on diet, exercise, it's recommended to have 150 minutes of exercise a week. Now, some people say, well, that's 30 minutes five times a week. That's quite a lot. And I say, you'd be surprised how quickly you can build up to that. doesn't mean you have to do 30 minutes five times a week. The first week you start an exercise program, start slow. Start with five minutes. Add an extra two minutes a day. And you'd be surprised how quickly you get there. So incorporating all of these things, avoid getting onto a what's called a cardiac catheterization table. And what that means is a catheterization is where a doctor, a cardiologist, interventional cardiologist, would take a catheter, uh, advance it. Usually we go through the wrist nowadays, so it's not the uh, procedure that has to be through the left. Is it like a left wrist? Uh, Right or left wrist. Really? Yeah, so it's much easier. The recovery is much easier. You can... uh, be ambulatory much faster after the procedure than in years past when they had the sandbags and some people may have memories of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by doing that procedure called an angiogram, where you look at the arteries of the heart, you can directly see if there's any blockages in the arteries that go around the heart. So what a heart attack is, is when one of the three main arteries around the heart gets completely blocked off. That's, that's what an immediate or acute heart attack is. So by doing an angiogram, you can see the health of those arteries. And if a stent is needed, what's called angioplasty, in most cases it can be done in the same setting. And at Advent Health, uh, right down the road on on Route 100, they have all of those 
uh, facilities, and they do a great job there. So if I do have some, is it called plaque buildup in your arteries? Is that what it's called, plaque? Exactly. It's plaque buildup that, that you're looking for. What if I do have a small buildup? And is there drugs? Is there food once again? Can I drink my red wine? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so an aspirin would be recommended in most cases mm-hmm. to help prevent progression of disease. Cholesterol medicine, uh, whether it be statin or nowadays, there's a lot of non-statin alternatives for folks that can't tolerate statins. And I know there are quite a bit of side effects with statins. And then there's other medicines to help offload and relax the work of the heart. So just because there's black buildup doesn't mean you're destined to having a stent or, or needing a bypass surgery where, where a surgeon would literally go and bypass the arteries. There are lots of options out there. Fantastic. I, I know things have changed in, over the years and you've come along, you, you keep educating yourself and you're educating your staff. I think it's very fascinating that you've gone from you know, crack, cracking open a chest and doing open heart surgery to now you can actually just enter a vein in their wrist and fix their arteries and, and fix their heart. Uh, can you do the same with the wrist trick? I hate to call it a trick, wrist procedure. That's the word I'll use to fix a valve. So that's actually an, a new innovation in the last few years. So okay. going through the artery and the wrist, you can put a stent in, which folks often ask me what a stent looks like. If you've ever played with the spring inside of a pen, mm-hmm. um, that's about the size of what a cardiac stent looks like and about the consistency obviously we don't use springs and pens to to fix hearts but that's an example of of what it would look like Uh, valves can be done through non-open heart surgery nowadays we're basically through a catheter that goes through the femoral artery which is the artery the large artery in the leg or in the thigh up to the heart and a valve can be replaced that way and we have partners with our sister facility at Advent Health Daytona Beach where we coordinate that seamlessly with them so you can receive all of your care in Flagler County and head down there for their portion of the procedure and then return right back to us here at Advent Health or Advent Health Palm Coast Parkway the new facility I first met you at a, uh, a breakfast where you gave a speech to the women's club I thought it was a great speech very wise speech. I saw a lot of people's eyes open up. I think it's fantastic what you do. And when you're delivering the message of preventative health, uh, I, I think that's the best way to go. I really am a preventative health type guy. Um, and I'd love to see more of that. Is is that something that somebody could just pick up the phone and ask you guys to come in and, and give a speech to a workplace? Because this is Heart Month and we want the business places uh, to have healthy employees. Yeah, Absolutely. We're definitely very engaged with the community and we'd love to come out and spread the word of the heart and what can be done and how strategies can prevent needing angioplasty or needing any type of procedure. Uh, just contact us at Advent Health and, and we'd be happy to come out. All right. Let's see. Your website is unbeatableheartcare.com. Correct. So, so we can go there and make an appointment if we need yep. to or ask questions. Yep, absolutely. That website has a wealth of information. You can always contact us. Um, my clinic's number is 386-586-1720. I'm located on the third floor of Advent Health Palm Coast in their building, the medical office building on the third floor. Uh, there's plenty of other cardiologists also out there who do a great job in the community. So definitely give one of us a call. We'd be happy to help. Well, doctor, thank you for being on the show today. Great. Thank you very much for having me. That's the business report. We'll see you next Saturday.